Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. We are back. This week was a great week for It's the Real. We did it. We did a bunch of stuff this week. We went and saw this documentary on Anthony Weiner, the disgraced New York congressman turned mayoral candidate. Yeah, he had a little bit of a, a dick moment in the middle. Would you call it a boxer brief moment? I would. I would also call it just like a really big fuck up. Yeah. He, if people don't know, Anthony Weiner was one of the first politicians to take a dick pic and he mistakenly meant, yeah, send it as a... Uh, he meant to DM it to his lady, Sydney Leathers. No, 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 no. Oh, no that were, was a different one. There were a... There were Sydney Leathers was like way down the line. There yeah, was, yeah. There was that was when whole, he was calling himself Carlos Danger. There was a whole bunch of dick pics that he would send. Anyway, spoiler alert: he's a loser. Yeah, and by the way, the documentary is about more than that, but it does it does uh, touch upon that. In addition, yeah. this week we went and we saw Boss mm-hmm. from Dreamville. Yeah, shout out to the Fiends. All the Queens was in the building. They sold out Highline Ballroom. J Cole came out as a special guest. Did like three songs, crushed it. It was really awesome. Shout out to everyone from Interscope Records. Shout out to our friends, uh, Boss Nod, Just Dave, and Big Waz, who were also really in the building. I mean, those <laughs> guys, those guys carried the flag for Boss. Like they are, <laughs> they are fiends. They are they, no, they're the biggest fiends. And afterwards, we ran into them on the street, and they they were having a the most intense conversation. Like, but this was not like for for fun for play. This was. They were so serious about this argument. Remember what they were arguing about? They wrapped us up in it. Yeah. And it was, the question was whether or not... Kendrick yeah. could sell out MSG and Staples Center. No, that's not the question. Yeah, it was whether Kendrick was a bigger artist than J. Cole. Right? That's the question. And you said... I said that it could be argued that J. Cole was bigger than Kendrick. I think. No, you said, you said the other way. You said Kendrick oh. is a bigger artist than J. Cole. You got to remember your arguments. Yeah, I don't know. You you like to you like to jump on either side <laughs> of the argument. You were arguing with everybody. <laughs> we also went to this. Wait, hold on. Yeah. Neither one of us was really arguing. It's the three of them. Like those guys are loudmouths. No, I and, thought this is the greatest. And it's it, just us like chiming in, just like laughing. If anyone wants to get like a real sense of who like Boss Nod and Just Dave and Big Waz are, go check out our open mic episode that we had a few months ago, where we had uh, what thirteen of our friends come in and tell their best stories. Starts off with Waz and Nod. Dave has a great story in there, too. Check that out. Also this week, this is, this is for real, there was a Billboard article called Special Report Pokemon Invade Music Industry Offices. And really? I'm just, I'm just going to read a portion of this here. I, I feel like people like are going to think, oh, like Jeff is in on this and Eric you know, scripted this out. No, not, no. not so. I'm... Well, uh, Okay, so we're talking about this. Special report, Pokemon invade music industry offices. I just want to read a small portion of this. In the third paragraph, it says, Similarly, at Warner Music Group's offices in Midtown Manhattan, multiple sightings have been confirmed, although, again, insiders could not confirm the identity or type of Pokemon. Worryingly, a source at Atlantic Records said that at least one individual visiting the label's office for a meeting earlier this week suddenly disappeared for up to a minute, only to return apologizing, having dipped away to catch a Pokemon. Jeff, do you have any official comment about this? This is a real piece in Billboard. Do you have anything to say? Yeah, first of all, we weren't there for a meeting. (laughs) I think... Wait, are you the source? I'm not the source. You know that. You know who the source was. It was... Who sold me out. Rat. <laughs> you you just sold him out. <laughs> Whenever. Fuck this. You, we were there hanging out with some friends. 
I said, I don't even think I said, hold on. I was well, just like... I don't think it quoted you. Or, sorry, it didn't quote the the person who ran astray of this meeting. They said that I... They <laughs> said that someone walked away mysteriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, for up with, to a minute. Yeah, with up to a minute. And uh, didn't have any explanation and came back and was like, oh, sorry, I had to go catch some Pokemon. You know? And I'd just like to say, it wasn't a meeting. Who sold me out is a rat. I'd like to say, you just referred to them as Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Which you gave me shit for last week and said that I sounded like Sinbad talking about the Kardashians. <laughs> yeah. This week. Still funny. This week on A Waste of Time with It's the Real, who's our guest? DJ Drama. DJ Drama, the legendary mixtape DJ. He's responsible for putting guys like Jeezy on and T.I. and and Lil Wayne for the dedication mixtape series. He's worked with everyone. He's worked with us. Yeah, which is crazy. We get into his whole journey on this podcast right here. He has a new project on E1 Records called Quality Street Music 2. Check that out. I know there's a new Pusha T, Meek Mill single that they put out the other day. And by the way, if you feel like you have to listen to Quality Street Music 1 to feel like you haven't been left out for uh-huh. Quality Street Music 2. Yes. You know, you can. Okay. You, yeah, you go, don't have to. Go, but... go back to the beginning. It's a full story. Right. It's not like Coke Boys 1, 2, 3, 4 where you have to listen to each one of those. Or like Game of Thrones, where you have to watch it in order. Listen, we've this week was Watch the Thrones for us. We have been, we have been, we've been plowing well, through these these episodes. It should be said that we don't really fuck with sci-fi. No, dragons, like, and yeah, all that. none of that. No. But then our friends came over. They they pressured us and they they bullied us into watching it. Let's they just, were like, just watch one let's episode, just say it like and it then turn into no, you have to watch three episodes. And some lady in an elevator. Mm-hmm. Told us it was five episodes. Right. So then we ended up watching like so three episodes. So now we're like season three and, you know, we're, we're working through it. Yeah. Anyway, if you are just listening to this podcast, you are a week late. Because, <laughs> Jeff, you can go to fullscreen.com slash it's the real and watch this episode a week ago. Yeah. I thought you were going to say if you were watching this episode, if you're not watching this episode, you're a weakling. You are a weakling. You should go to full screen, get that app. We shoot in high definition. You check out our apartment. You see what our guests are like. Yesterday, we put out a new episode with... Joey Fats. Joey Fats, the Los Angeles-based ASAP affiliate. Great guy. Great episode. You should check that out. Fullscreen.com slash it's the real. Jeff, when do you want to get into this episode with DJ Drama? Right now. Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. Coke and Mentos, a.k.a. Poppin' Bottles. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a. Drug Runner, a.k.a. Marion Jones. Yeah, and this is a waste of time with it's the real. <laughs> Yo, Drum, what up? What's up, guys? <laughs> Welcome back. Thanks for having me. See, the good thing is that you were here pre the renovations, nice. and now you've seen like painted walls. There's cameras here, is... and the reason there's cameras here right. is because this is now on the full screen network. Yes. Wow. If you yeah. go to fullscreen.com slash it's the real, you can see us. You can see the angle that Drama's hat is at. That's right. Yeah. This is all new. If you are listening at home and not watching, you are missing out. You need to tune in to fullscreen.com slash it's the real. And take full advantage of this whole thing. They, n- they don't get to see the books, though. They don't see they the don't see Not books. back there. You get to see, like, a few books behind you there. Okay. Right, Dan cool. Charnas' book. Nice. Chase Serrano's book. Yeah. A lot of... Lot of hey, John you're giving Stewart a lot of spoilers away. away. <laughs> yeah. All right. Drama, welcome back. What's up, back. guys? Thanks How are for, you? Yeah, I'm good. I can't complain. You know, um, life is good. You've been running around like crazy the past couple of days. I have. 
Um, story of my life. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is everyone treating you all right? They are. They're treating me good. E1 is treating you okay? Absolutely. Shout okay. out to E1. Well, tell Great everyone. label. T- yeah. Tell everyone about the new project. Um, Quality Street Music, Volume 2. Uh, this new album. It's coming in July. You know, um, I took a little hiatus. It's been like, this is my fifth album. This is my second Quality Street Music. Um, the last album we dropped in 2012. So, you know, I was explaining to somebody, you know, like um, my last album, I recorded most of it at, uh, well, I didn't record it, but most of the work I'd done over at Hot Beat Studios in Atlanta. And, mm. you know, when you when you rent someone's studio out, you know, you pay by the hour. Sure. And that time I built Main Street Studios. So a I, much better business plan. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the only thing about it is it, since it was mine, you know, I could do whatever I want. And with that being said, you know, I'm not paying anybody hourly. So it took, so me, a took, little, time. Yeah, took yeah. me a little longer to get this one done because of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> quality and quality street music is a little bit higher. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but I, you know, I was really proud of the last album. I'm proud of this album. Um, you know, and just to be a DJ and be on my fifth album, you know, for me is, you know, I, I came in a game just trying to get my name on a flyer. You know what I mean? So to have five uh, major label studio albums is like, you know, it's, it's a wow moment for it's, myself. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, I do want to take it back just a little bit. We had your old friend Damian Lemon on. That's my guy. And <laughs> he one. told us. I'm the first person to ever tell him he should be a comedian, by the way. You were. Definitely. Did you say go to an open mic night? You said. Well, when I met, you know, we met freshman year in college um, and, uh. You know, we we all stayed in the dorm together. We were all in Brawley Hall, and I was like, "Yo, you should be a comedian." <laughs> Maybe I'm not the first person. He's a funny guy. I don't. I don't want to take all the credit, you know. But I, um, but you know, Damien, um, uh, Dean Lemon, Dame. You know, I mean, we we came up together. You know, he watched he watched my whole growth at those times when we were at school, and he was one of the first people to ever put me in a magazine. He when he worked at Vibe magazine, yeah. um, you know, they were doing a, a spread on mixtape DJs at the time. Right. And I was kind of, you know, very it was very early on. I was bubbling. So, you know, he went out on a limb and said, yo, we need to put drama in here for like the new cats. You know That's what I'm saying? Dope. And that was that, know, was that with was everybody, right? That was like the the two thousand four. Two thousand four. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I think Puff spread. was on the cover of yeah. the spread yeah. and it was like the it was an OG section. You know, there was the 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 um the guys of you know, right now, I remember Green was in that section. Yep. yep. And um, very Khaled was in there. Yeah, you know, they told me later they cropped Khaled in. Like, he didn't actually... <laughs> yeah, he didn't look like he, like, fit... Yeah, he didn't show up to the video, to the photo shoot. They, they cropped him he in. He also looked a little bit slim, <laughs> from what I remember, like, honestly. Sure. So I was I was part of, like, the new class um, of DJs in that. And, um, yeah, that was my man Dame, like, you know, really looking out for me at well, the time. He said back then you were Dr. Ama. Um, I've I've had various name changes at times, you know. I mean, I've always had, um, you know, I never thought drama would stick. Like I, I felt like it was such a common word in the English language that sure. nobody was gonna think about me when they heard, you know, drama. Like if I was like, "Yo, my name's Drama," and because you you're like a low key guy. Um, well, just the the word itself, like you know, TNT had we know drama, right? And, right. You know, when early on in my career, you know, K Slay was the, the drama, drama king, king, yeah. Sure. And then there's another DJ um, who's my homie, who's in Atlanta, named DJ Trauma, and he was on the radio at the time, so I couldn't go anywhere in Atlanta. There was also drama who had left, right, left. There was also drama <laughs> the who had rapper, le- yeah, 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 actually, which kind of worked in my favor years later because people thought that he. That well, you I had him? to buy his name from him. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, because there was another there was another quote unquote DJ drama. This kid out of 
Chicago that tried to sue me when I first came out with my albums. But, <laughs> you know, yeah, so Dr. So I would, like, through my years, try to change my name. Like, you know, I went by Dramatic for a minute. I tried to use my real name, Tyrese right. Sinkay. Just, you know, some the way to... The only one I know is Jedi. Jedi, yeah. That was a, I used to, like, when I was in Philly, I used to hang with a lot of uh, a graffiti Nerds. artists. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was the nerd. And, um, you know, so I used to tag Jedi, mm. you know, so that was my tag name. So when I first got to Atlanta, I tried to change my name to DJ Jedi, you know, but somehow, some way, drama just always kept uh, coming back all the time, man. I guess it's the gift and the curse of the name. And, uh, you know, so, it, you know, I went once Gangsta Grills really popped off, like it was, you know, I, I couldn't change it anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> by the way, so back in that uh, that Vibe article, you talk about like, and this is two years before you actually get arrested. You talk about like the RIAA coming at you. Really? Like, you, you talk about like the RIAA apparently like scoping you guys out. You were aware of them. Well, I know I was aware of them within like just the mixtape game. So, um, you know, I hadn't had any bad, uh, uh, any bad uh, run-ins with them at that point. And, you know, so I still, when the raid happened, I kind of was still caught off guard, but you know, as mixtape DJs, you know, we, um, we understand that there was a, at that point, time in the game there was a fine line you know on what we were doing and everything we were getting a lot of you know support you know behind closed doors from you know labels. power players and labels <laughs> and everything but you know when it came down to it nobody was prepared to like come out and be like hey we you know we promote mixtape djs so right. it, was a, it was a fine line well when you were locked up who was the who were the people who really like you know looked after you kept in touch while you were you know well, like I was only locked up for a day. Or, yeah, no, yeah. but still, like during that it whole was time. It was a long day, though. Yeah, yeah, it was a long day. You know, the, it's like the, Paris Hilton hours. The, but when, <laughs> but when people were afraid to, like, you know, mention your the name, irony who were of, the ones who stuck around? The irony of the whole thing that probably the person I remember the most really speaking out was Pimp C, and mm. it's so interesting because when Pimp came home from jail, you know. Bun and other people were trying to convince him to do a mixtape. And he was like, fuck doing a mixtape. I'm not giving away this shit for free. You know what I'm saying? Like, they need to pay me. You know, and I, at the time was, you know, everybody wanted to do a mixtape with me. So it was like, he didn't. But respectfully, you know, when everything went down, Pimp really um, spoke up in my favor. And, you know, I always remember that rest in peace. Um, while Mano told us that while Tip was locked away, Nelly was like his closest guy. Mm -hmm. Like he just like really kept in touch, which was to us was surprising and right. like. But yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. There, was there anyone like that who reached out like during that black ball time? Well, like, I mean, Tip was always in my corner. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, Atlantic was in my corner. I mean, I was p putting out my first album at the time, so you know they definitely once it uh once it happened they looked at it like oh wow this is we can sell records off this <laughs> you know so um my my first single at the time was feds taking pictures yeah um so like you know, it was all part of the plan yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i mean you know it was um there were there were people around you know uh kevin Lyles was somebody who kind of you know spoke to me and um you, you know gave me advice and what have you and and whatnot so it was cool you know it was a you know we got pat jeezy came i remember jeezy came on our show real early on and um you know, after the raid and, and was like right there to support. Mm -hmm. What did your mom think when I got locked up? Yeah, um, she was she was kind of she was a little shook, you know. But um, after it happened, I kind of the support system I had around me was like, "Yo, you know, we good. This is nothing." Like, you know, what I'm saying. So, you know, I came to the table kind of early on when that situation and and. Um, and just made everybody feel a little more comfortable, like this is going to be all right, and you know nothing to worry about. You know, my, my, my mom's a mom, you know. Yeah, so sure. Her her son went to jail, and you know what I'm saying. And I mean, my mom was worried. 
feel like <laughs> too fun. Yeah. yeah. So you're Philly born and raised. Yes. And the first time you went down to Atlanta was for college. It was. I, I took a, a few trips down there. The first before I went to school down there, I went um, a few years earlier with my dad. He had a um, he had a conference to go to, mm-hmm. and um, it was during the summertime. And it was this thing called the National Black Arts Festival going on. And you know, you could just I kind of could just feel the energy in the city. You know, so I was like, it was it was vibrant. Like it, you know, and I had never I had been to Atlanta before, but never had that. You know, in the teenage years are kind of different. You know, so um. As I was um as I was picking schools, you know, it was between, for the most part, it was either between Temple, NYU, Howard, and Clark Atlanta University mm-hmm. and, and Morehouse at the time, and you know, um, I, w- I wound up getting a scholarship to CAU. Um, thankfully, for what? Um, it was an academic scholarship. Dope. My dad knew somebody that was working in the academic department. Gotcha. So. Okay. I mean, my grades were good though. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Were, yeah. And so, um, yeah, that kind of, I always thought I was going to go to NYU. Like that was my 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 goal my career goal at to the study time. drama to <laughs> study film um you know and but as you know i was definitely looking for a city like that i could pursue my dj career in and atlanta seemed like a, a good second choice honestly to new york at the time so you did go down there with like these aspirations and to absolutely take the city over well i don't know if i i thought that uh advanced but mm-hmm. i definitely you know i was looking i was i've Philly taught me like a very hustler mentality. You know, I think that's one thing that we're, we're 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 very good at. So as I was going to school, you know, I knew that you know outside of the classroom, you know, I had a lot of aspirations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when did you get to know Sense and Canon? I met Sense like probably the f- the first day of school. Um, me Sense, uh, my man Kyle, uh, Dame, and. Um, uh, Chris and Keith kind of all became close friends like that first really week. You know, I was on the second floor. My 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 room number in Brawley Hall was two one five, and um, somebody was like, "Yo, you know, it's another DJ in here from um from Philly. He's up on the third floor." So I went up there, and it was since you know he had like a, a brand tattoo, like his name's Brandon on his arm and everything. And he um he wound up telling me that he had actually heard of me because it was like um there was a barbecue in Philly that he was trying to get the gig and it was like nah we got dj drama already so he's like who is this guy you know, so we wound up at school together um we One had floor a part. Yeah, yeah. We, we had a little dj battle and everything and we kind of had been inseparable from them just pretty much doing all the college parties and you know uh cafeteria whatever what have you whatever and then the next year um uh this tall lanky kid came down the strip <laughs> And was like, you know, I'm from Philly. I, I make no. beats. And, <laughs> that was me. <laughs> and uh, you know, my man Kyle had kind of like, kind of, because they went to the same high school. Mm-hmm. So he was like, he told me like, "Ball was a nut," like, <laughs> you know, in Philly term, like, "Oh, ball's a nut." So I was kind of, I was kind of a little hesitant to uh, befriend him at sure. the time. And um, he finally he gave me a beat tape. I think we were still on tapes at the time. And um, I listened to it, and I was like, oh, this shit's hot. Like, this nigga's all right. He's kind of nice. So uh, that's how me and Donnie Brasco became <laughs> friends. And um, and there's so many colleges down there and so many opportunities. Yeah, the to AU, yeah. definitely. The AUC in, in itself just, you know, it's just at the time it was uh, it was Clark Atlanta University. It was Morris Brown. It was uh, Morehouse and Spelman. So, you know, I mean, it was like it, it, everything was right there. I mean, literally, first, it, it had so many people from so many different areas, like, you know, people from California, people from Seattle, people from the Bay, people from Houston, people from, you know, that was really how I learned about screw music, just from going to school, you know, people from D.C., like, and everybody, New York, everybody wanted to hear what they wanted to hear, Florida, so, you know, <laughs> at a party, it was like, you know, here I'm coming from a 
Philly at the time where I'm playing fucking Wu Tang, Smith and Wesson, Tribe Called Quest, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Cool Keith, you know. Yeah. And here I am. I gotta go. You know, I gotta play Pac. I gotta play Snoop. I gotta play Go Go. <laughs> I gotta play Caribbean music. I gotta play bass, bass music. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. you gotta you gotta go in for New York City, like the whole tri-state. <laughs> like you know, you gotta play some Houston music. You gotta play Texas. And so Louisiana, you know. So it was. It taught me very early on, and it taught us just how to really be very well-rounded as DJs. And uh, by the way, people should know this is way before you were able to download all this music. Absolutely, so you're, yeah. you're getting like physical vinyl. Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of yeah, a lot who's of vinyl. carrying all your stuff? A lot of my friends. Yeah, <laughs> good friends. Good friends. Yeah, a lot of <laughs> lot of good friends, and we, be, being the first to the club and the last to leave. Damn, that was a, those are the days. Like you know, you were really the last person to leave the club because you would have to. Fucking carry all those crates. Well, what are some of the clubs you were playing down there at the time? Um, SO was popping. Um, I remember doing 112 early on. Mm. Um, there's this club called uh, Yin Yang Cafe. Okay. Um, what's the new name of What's Yin Yang turning into? Apache. It's now called Apache. Um, Yin Yang Cafe was probably my first residency. I'm Kaya, Kaya was popping. Yo, shout out to yeah. Lake, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Lake knows everything. Yeah. <laughs> Kaya was popping. I remember, you know, that was when uh, Nabs had it on Smash and all these clubs. We, I would like be so excited to play for the first time, you know, because I mean, I, I, I witnessed so many people in these clubs. But Yin Yang Cafe was probably my first residency. It was a Wednesday night. I did like a, a poetry night. I was DJing at yeah. Had it, what you followed the the poets? Well, I was or I was you're in between. I was kind of yeah, like, like you know Capri at, you know like, my early days. I was like uh, somewhat of a backpacker. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah so, Neo you know, Soul. Like, well, because that's like Philly. Yeah, somewhat. I mean, just kind of you know what where where I was at the time. Like since was since used to kind of put me on. Like yo, you can't cut Mace's verse off on that. <laughs> Bad boy song. Well, and by the way, he's right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. He's right. So, um, so you know, like I would do like lyricist lounge. Like you know, my roommate at the time was um, this uh, uh, guy named Rubix who first introduced me to uh, Talib Kweli. You know, and he was like, "Yo, you know, Kweli and my other man, Most Def, are about to start this group called Black Star." You know, so I was right there when they first got their deal at um, at Rockets. Like man. when they were like, "Yo, it's this new label." So I, I, I witnessed all this stuff firsthand. You know, so when lyricist lounge would um. Come to Atlanta, I, I would DJ, and you know we would go to go eat at um at uh, Art Thomas, like me, Bahamadia, Black, Most Deaf, and you know so those were you know those were the early days of some of the early clubs that I was. Did you doing. know Bahamadia before? I've known Bahamadia since I was probably uh, ten, nine, oh. ten. Yeah, we um she lived next door to my dad, so huh. and uh, down in West Philly, down the bottom, thirty uh, third to Haverford. You know, so I remember before I even knew it was her. Um, at the time, I had been living with my mom in Germantown, but she came out with this record called Funk Vibe, and um, DJ Ran uh, used to always play it on Power 99, and I was like, it was the shit, you know? <laughs> and so then um, we, we got close, and she befriended me, and, you know, I remember when she, she took me to... Um, J Rue's uh, uh, signing party in, in, in New York City. Premier was DJing. Um, Recipes Guru was there. It was the first time I heard Premier. He played Soundboy Burial for wow, the first man. time. He was playing Scarface, <laughs> Never Seen a Man Cry. And, you know, so, so yeah, so she was, um, she befriended me very early on. If you look at the back of her, her album cover, um, Collage, which celebrating 20 years this year, you know, there's a picture of me in the back. And, you know, I was like, Are you I wearing a head wrap? I had, I had um, <laughs> I used to wear head wraps though. Did you? Yeah, I, I had um, I had ski goggles on. Okay, my dreads were coming out of the ski goggles. Like wearing ski goggles. No, I had them like on, on the top of yeah, my yeah, head, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. to the side. Yeah. So like Ray Shremmerd, like, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. yeah, I was doing that a long time ago yeah. in the nineties. 
So then, and then she, I'm in the video. I'm in her video. So I was like popping in high school, like Damn. oh, drums and Bombadilla's video. <laughs> like, so yeah. Did you know the Roots too, or no? Of course. Yeah, yeah I, I met the Roots. I knew the Roots when they were the Square Roots. Um, oh man. I remember um, the guy who um, was Chuck Stone, who who w- goes on to uh, do the What's Up commercials. Right. Um, he directed one of their first videos for this song called Pass the Popcorn. They had an album out called Organics. And, um, you know, ninth, like ninth grade for me was, you know, the square roots were like, they were it, you know, yeah. it, was a group, it was a group called the goats in Philly and it was a group and it was the square roots. And, um, I'm, there was a, you know, various members of the roots besides that, who you see now. And they used to be a collective, um, and my man Kenyatta and my man, this other kid I know named Dane used to kind of run around with them as well. And, um, you know, Malik B and, and, and Black Thought were like some of the first people to ever like freestyle on my mixtapes, like early early dice raw too dice yeah. raw broke the chair in my mom's crib like, <laughs> back in the day in my basement just sitting, sitting on it on, yeah, yeah. Just sat on it and um i don't know if he like threw it against nah, the wall so, yeah. so yeah so I, I knew those guys real early on like you know um uh, quest used to play video games on south street and i would run mm. into them and stuff so you know that was probably the first group you know them and then definitely bahamadia like the first people i ever saw like kind of make it like mm-hmm. really like mm-hmm. wow this you can really do this shit like get a record deal we used to go to the trocadero in philly i remember you know at their their um their uh their their um excuse me their signing party and um to you know, geffen or whatever yeah to yeah, geffen yeah. Yeah, when they signed to geffen and you know that was kind of for me like okay this can really happen you know i really saw people in front of my eyes like get record deals and and be on your own tv raps and like damn i know these guys like Crazy. this shit can really go yeah. down um, who was popping in Atlanta at the time? Um, when you get down there, is that JD? JD was definitely popping. You know, he, it was. I got down there right before he put his the um, was it fourteen seventy two album mm-hmm. out. So yeah, JD had the um, city on smash. LaFace was everything like Outcast. You know, Outcast and, yep. and, and Dungeon Family, Organized Noise and Goody Mob. I remember, you know, and during this time, like everybody used to be on campus. Like you know, you would have to make a stop. In, in the AUC on the strip at some point. So, you know, um, uh, yeah, they were pretty much running the game. Nabs was um, Nabs was, was the man in the city. Um, Pac had just got killed. Um, Master P was, was, you know, on was, was coming into, you know, his dominant force. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, those were, um, yeah, those were some good years. But, you know, and, and being on campus was like, ev- you know, through those years of, of school, like, I saw everybody on campus from from Hove to Nas to Fifty to Goody Mob to you know Outcast. Everybody used to be on campus. Damn. It was like one of those spots. So now it's crazy. Nobody even thinks about Atlanta anymore. <laughs> I know, right? So where, <laughs> so where do you first meet like JD or or Lil John or anybody like around um, town? I met I met uh I met Lil John early on um, because you know he had his roots in DJing. Mm-hmm. How did I originally first meet Lil John? I don't did did I meet Lil John through Sense? Um, since got an internship at um hot 97 so he kind of got in the loop a, um a little before me and um Cersei and little john were um were were production partners together and, and they you know they came up together and what have you i mean they did the uh the mabu record which is mm-hmm. you know back popping again <laughs> which is shop, unbelievable shop Cersei on that <laughs> yeah. um so yeah i met little john um quite early on you know and he really was one of the first people to really befriend us you know and um kind of you know i mean hence how he became the voice of gangster girls yeah um but he was you know he was always a very uh humble guy very down to earth and you know just just real cool 
I mean, I know the story behind how uh, Lil John became the voice of Gangster Grills yeah. because like there was no guest for yeah there was no guest there was no guest for five. Little John was the first ever host for a Gangster Grill mixtape. Like, um, I did a I did Gangster Grills one and Gangster Grills two, and I was kind of just kind of um, hustling them on my own. And um, you know, at the time, everybody on in the East Coast and up top was having hosts, and you know, Puff was hosting this, and Nas <laughs> was hosting this, and. And I was like, damn, how can I compete? You know, and then I was making all types of mixtapes. I had like reggae mixtapes, R&B mixtapes, you know, and I, you know, of course, the, I had to have a South mixtape. So I asked like three people, Little John being one of them, um, to to host um, my tape. And Little John was the one that said yes. So he came to the crib. Me and Sense were living in uh, the fourth ward at the time. And um yeah, you know, hence how Gangsta Grizzlies and the next tape, everybody was like, "Who you got the host? Who you got the host?" And I was like, "Fuck, I don't have the host." Like, let me just use Lil John's voice again, and, and it stuck. Well, so you're you're at school, but are you are you taking road trips to other cities down south? Are you getting to know the? Nah, not yet. Like Gangsta Grills kind of happened after school. So by when I'm in school, I hadn't really. Um, I was pretty local like you know i was i mean we 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 ran the campuses that was one thing about it like we definitely you know when it came to schools like in the auc like everybody knew drum sense and canon like that was our stomping grounds no way about it <laughs> outside of that like it was you know i didn't you could that you could go uh, on the east side and they'd be like who like, <laughs> you know so dr ama <laughs> yeah they like my you know everybody knew me in the auc outside of that we didn't really get no recognition or, or no. And one of the first people to actually take me out of town um, while I was in school was um, my man Poon Daddy, who was on the radio. I'm sorry, what? His <laughs> Poon Daddy. Uh -huh. He was on the radio at the time. Why did they with, call him that? Well, I don't know. Why did they, where did Poon get his name from? He's originally from California, but... Yeah, but Poon, oh, I name. mean, I have one guess yeah, as yeah, to yeah. why his name is Poon Daddy, but anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so Poon Daddy had this show with this guy named Chris Lover Lover. Oh, heard and of him. They were on the radio. It was uh, Chris Lover Lover and Poon Daddy. And um, and Poon, um, yeah, Poon, I don't know what he saw. You know, he has an eye for talent. I will definitely give him that. You know, he, <laughs> he found Bobby V, he found YG. He was part of uh, Ludacris yeah. um, this camp early on, and you know he definitely was the first person to ever take me out of town um, in those in those days and everything. And, Where'd um, you go? Where did we go? I think I think we went somewhere in was it Car Carolina or Alabama or something? Hmm. I don't remember. It was somewhere in the South though. Yeah. So um, so yeah, but I wasn't really uh, moving around a lot. And then I also you know um, I had uh, uh, Kevin Powell. The writer Kevin Powell, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, was always a good friend of mine, and and, and we we dabbled here and there of, about him managing me. So mm -hmm. you know, he used to kind of bring me up to New York a lot and and do various gigs. And he took me on the road to do a couple things. Um, he took me. We we did an event at the um, when um, hip hop got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and um, he we did like a, a a seminar. It was him, me, and uh, Common, mm -hmm. and he's the first person to actually take me overseas too. He took me to London. Um, right after I was out of school, so you know, I had I had various connections here and there, you know, but but most of most of my career was based in the AUC throughout those early Did years. Did Chris yeah. Lava Lava ever try to pass you like some of his material and be like, "Yo, like I'm that guy"? Nah, he was kind of really on before me, so he was. I was kind of trying to get his <laughs> attention. I remember we, me and Sense, did a gig um, at. Um, at um, Holyfield's crib, I think Poon might have gotten us that gig too. Like Rick Ross's current, place? yeah, Rick Ross's current place. <laughs> we did a we did a gig. We did two gigs there, but the first gig we did, we did there. Th does that mean that yeah. there is like a like a some sort of like 
like area that you can perform? Well, like, we we, well, we DJed at the at the pool, so we were okay. outside right gotcha. near Both the pool. Both times. No, the other time we DJ'd inside near the uh, bowling alley. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That just sounds like a normal thing. Yeah. <laughs> so that was cool. That was. I think that was for his son's. Uh, it was his son's birthday. I think. Man. How far apart are they on like the Google Maps? <laughs> you know. Like, Yo, that's that was the, the biggest crib the biggest I have ever been yeah, to yeah. at that time. Man. By far. We heard uh, Rocky Fresh told us that Rick Ross has like a couple of places down in Atlanta. Yeah. Yep. That's just nuts. Yeah, he has a, he has another crib. What, like a compound? The, yeah. <laughs> well, he has another house that he, you know, it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Cuz it's know, not as big as the Holyfield crib. Cuz yeah, what is? What is <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. But um I mean it, it's a it's a great crib. Man. I've been there too. It's nice to visit. Sure. Yeah. Well, okay, so when do you first meet Tip? I first met Tip um so I'm out of school. Um, I'm kind of, you know, once I got out of school, I never really got a job. So I just, I'm kind of just hustling. Shouts to CAU. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I get this phone call randomly, um, from Jason Jeter, never met him before. And he says, yo, um, you know, I got your number off the back of one of your mixtapes in the barbershop. And he was like, you know, I got this new artist. Um, we're signed to, uh, we're signed to Arista. We got a song with, uh, Beanie Siegel. And um, his name's Tip. You See, know? now he's speaking your language, like Philly, Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. That's how he sold it to me, though. Sure. He was like, yo, he's got, he got a song with Beanie Siegel. You know, we signed, uh, we signed an Arista, and he was like, I want to bring him through. I was like, all right, cool. You know, mind you, at this time, I wasn't getting phone calls like that. Like, nobody was like, yo, I want to play you some music. Even or, though your mm. number's on the back of the mixtapes? Nah, I wasn't. Nobody was using Man. the number. Like, I just was hope. I put it on there hoping to <laughs> yeah, get yeah. some phone calls, you know. <laughs> and it was more to get calls to, like, like wholesale the the, the mixtapes, you know. So he called me and um, I was like, all right, yeah, come through, you know. I mean, again, like this was not, this was out of the ordinary for me to get that type of call. So I was like, whatever. Um, so I guess this was like um, this was like summer two thousand. So so tip um tip and Jason come through. Um, they come over to cr- crib. Um, tip's kind of he's kind of you know he's quiet. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? He he still has the tip swagger but you know he's definitely quiet um and me and sense were living next door to each other we had this like duplex and everything and uh, i used to make everybody take their shoes off um and I, you know where i used to make the mixtapes was like now where somebody has like their washer and dryer so mm-hmm. it's like you walk in the crib there's like a living room there's a bedroom and then next to the bathroom there's this little area for the washer and dryer where i have my equipment set up and tip comes in there did you were they like just like racks of dvd burners or no or no, no CD I, had, burners I had i didn't I, I don't even know if i had one cd burner okay i had one cd burner at the time i would Efficient. i would have to outsource <laughs> yeah <laughs> i would definitely have to outsource to get the cds done um but i had you know i had a four track uh mix four track mini mixer that i would make the the um the mixtapes on and you know turntables and a mixer mm-hmm. and tip chose the uh foot of fan beat mm. um the um the um it was Jay a mill beat mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. a mill on that and um you know, he, he, that was the first time he rapped for me and the first I'd ever heard. And, you know, I remember him rapping and, and he said, like, I'm, you know, king of the South. And I was, you know, I was like, it's good to meet you. <laughs> you know, we definitely going to link and everything. And him and Jake left. And I told Sense, like, yeah, this nigga just said he was the king of the South. Like, <laughs> this guy's crazy, you know. And um, at that time, like, um, they were, you know, they were grinding. We were grinding. And, and, you know, a lot of our relationship was really established between me and Jeter. Um, I was doing a lot of clubs in Buckhead and, you know, Tip would come through and, and Tip was like, you know, th- his, he had the record out with Pharrell, the, um, 
um, was um, off the I'm Serious album with Beanie Man. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, but in the city, like, he was really becoming that guy, you know, and, and as well as, you know, uh, Jason saw my hustle on the mixtape side of things and, you know, it was something, you know, he's originally from Jersey, so it was something he was taking advantage of, too, when they weren't getting the recognition that um, that he Irish felt show. they Irish deserved, show, yeah. you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. So he was like, okay, well, we're just going to put these mixtapes out and do it on our own. And um, I had did, um, by this point, you know, Tip had already, he had kind of rapped on a couple of tapes by now. I remember him and Phil Mob actually um, freestyling for me on a, on a project. And then um, I did a tape and Jeter came to me like, you know, that, that one was cool. That one was all right, you know. That, but, like, I got an idea. Let's do, like, all Grand Hustle, you know, Gangsta Grills. And um, that was really when Gangsta Grills went from being a regular mixtape series of just, you know, the hottest records out to something special like a mini album, you know. So um, Tip and Grand Hustle and Jeter really gave me the first opportunity to do what I had been watching, like, who kid and 50 and, and green and M and, you know, um, everybody doing, uh, um, K Slay and Dipset and, you know, everybody doing up top, like here was the opportunity for me to make something that, you know, that uniquely, um, was influenced by that, you know? And, um, that was the, the tip, um, and PSC meets Gangster Girls was the first totally. of, you know, the um, what Gangster Girls has become. And that's one where, like, he buried Lil Flip? That was not the actual one. Okay. That, that was the next tip tape. That was Down With The King. So this mm. was the uh, precursor to that. <laughs> yeah. What a time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was a fun time. Yeah. That, and it was co- it's so crazy because, you know, I remember Lil Flip actually, you know, being one of the one of the people I went to kind of early to try to get him to host it through his <laughs> manager at the time. Um, no hard feelings. This yeah, is yeah, all yeah. old stuff. But, you know, he was like, we need like 10,000. And I was like, I don't have it, mm. you know. So I if, I never really had a relationship with Flip. So, you know, when the, um, when the tip uh, stuff went down, it's kind of like I didn't really, you know, it wasn't hard for me to, to, <laughs> to uh, pick sides. Sure. And yeah. well to, did, you know, did Flip's like, manager call you? <laughs> nah. <laughs> Got I, your number on the back of the mixtape. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> nah, I, I mean, I've seen him plenty of times since then. He's a good guy. He's still, you know, in the business and everything. But, um. Yeah, Tip was um that was that was probably the, one of the few times I've really seen Tip really really be into doing a mixtape. Hmm. You know, he was all in for Down with the King. You know, but Down with the King was like that was you know that was my first um um around those, that those years that was like my first experience with like going places and being the talk of the town and you know everybody you know that tape was just it was everywhere. Yeah. Um. So wait. So. I remember you did a document. You were part of a documentary for Jeezy, mm-hmm. and you said that he invented making it rain. Um, he definitely was one of the well. BMF invented mm-hmm. making it rain. Yeah. So you know, Jeezy being a part of BMF, yes, he was definitely. You can credit him to <laughs> to that. Uh, you was know, because like- I mean, you know, strip clubs before you know before Atlanta and before you know um, what has become today. You know, pe- when people used to tip, they used to. <laughs> put it in the back of the girl's, you know, G-string. Sure. Or, right. You know, put it on the counter in the front or something. You know, I mean, we we created a whole new lifestyle. Yeah, with, now you bring a tow truck. <laughs> you know, <laughs> throwing it up in the air. I mean, that was, you know, BMF, like, people will tell you stories. Like, you would be in the club and you wouldn't see the ground. Like, it would, <laughs> it would literally be all green. Like, like I remember, like, regular women would become strippers that night at the club <laughs> when BMF. It's just a too. smart business move. <laughs> That's right, like, yeah. Yo, Fuck this! I'm getting <laughs> to this buddy, like just like that. When did you first get to meet Wayne? Um, I first met Wayne. I talked to Wayne on the phone. I was on the bus with Tip. We were on the Urban Legend tour, and Tip was on the phone with him. And um, 
I was in my bunk, I remember, and I was like, yo, you, that's Wayne? I was like, let me talk to him. And um, I was like, what's up, man? He was like, what's up? I was like, yeah, we got to get one in. He was like, absolutely, let's do it. So um, I guess maybe right after we got off tour, um, him and Cortez was in Atlanta. They were over at uh, they were over at um, Patchwork mm-hmm. um, in the in the smaller room, and um, that was my first time meeting him. So I went in there. You know, I had brought a bunch of um, I had brought a bunch of beats, and you know, for him to to, to rap on for our tape and everything. So you know, we kind of vibed out, and, and um, um, from there, I remember just kind of coming up with the name dedication and sending him a script of um you know how I wanted to I, I almost it was almost like an interview you know and I I had him read and I would just kind of like write questions down for him to kind of you know go over stuff cuz I remember writing like you know are you going to sign a Rockefeller and and things like that that he you know he discussed on the tape mm-hmm. and um yeah and I you know I was like I liked little Wayne but I wasn't I was you know I and I I had used um a lot of his songs on, from his squad up tapes at the time on when I was doing early gangster grills but it wasn't really till I heard the music and what he was doing with the dedication when I was like, yo, this guy's really on some shit. Like, like this is different. You know, this is like his sound and, and where rap was at the time. And lyrically, like I was like, yo, he's, you know, he's, he's going for, he's going for some shit. And I remember Lake being one of the first people who was over at Walker street when dedication came out. I was like, yo, like I, I, I listened to that tape. Like, yo, dude's on some other shit, you know? And, and then how do you go about like distributing that, like through the rest of the South, that's different than maybe like a tip tape, which is, you know, certainly Atlanta where you know, well, well, by this period, by the time we had did, um, dedicate when dedication came out, it was after, Trapper died. I mean, they almost came out, you know, as going back now, you know, now in, in the more recent years, all mixtapes have like release dates. This mm-hmm. was like back then it was like, you know, when Mix Union got it. Right. And, and it, they put it up. That's when the, the release date was. But I remember um, Trapper Die and Dedication, what feels like a month or two apart of each other, the first dedication. So this was like 05. Um, so, cause I remember saying to myself after Trapper Die, like, what the fuck am I going to do next? Like, <laughs> How am I going to top this? You know, so by this period, I had already, I had already kind of figured out somewhat of a, um, a distribution system. And mm-hmm. um, shout my man Jason Brown, who used to work with me at the time. You know, he kind of he when he when he came aboard my team, he really, you know, um, he got down to the nitty gritty of how to kind of maximize. And and so we had by this point, by the time dedication was. Um, was ready to go. We had figured out a, a certain um, store list and system of how, how we were getting the tapes out. And then, you know, the bootleggers in themselves were, you know, the, like they were the biggest retailers out. You know what I'm saying? Bootleggers would, you know, they killed Canal Street. Like that was even <laughs> somehow Wayne's, you know, prominence in on the East Coast happened because the bootleggers were taking gangster grills and just, you know, distributing them everywhere. Man. It's a crazy time to think back at. It is. It is. It's wild, you know, just to think, like, even with mixtapes, I mean, this is before download. Like, you know, I remember, you know, that piff used to be, like, the enemy. Like, fuck that piff. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, they're giving free mixtapes away, you know? And um, I remember Wayne saying, like, fuck that piff. Um, So, you know, like, this was, you know, I just remember trying to get on the first line of mix unit. You know, I I will say, thankfully, like, I came up in an era and where Gangsta Girls was... um, was um was prominent when there was somewhat of an internet um 
world because you know it still it enabled me to like touch people that I may not have been able to touch like five years earlier when it was you know everybody just would go to their local bodegas and and, and cop music so yeah you know I definitely came up in the era right before you know downloads and you know free music on on social websites and everything like that so which helped which helped me you know get my um my, my fan base to a larger audience yeah I mean were you even making money off of mixtapes at any point like when did you start making money off mixtapes uh, about around that time around like oh five oh six so this is like after a few years of this oh this is after i mean if you want to count like, like six I, years like 10 years man like, i made my first mixtape in probably 90 yeah 90 like 94 95 so and jason jeter helped get you the deal at atlantic originally uh yep I, because i was you know i was djing for ti on mm-hmm. the road so um grand hustle had their deal with atlantic so i was in and out the atlantic building all the time and um I mean, honestly, I had offers from everybody. I remember, um, I remember, I met with Brian Leach um, mm-hmm. when he was running RCA. No, it was oh. before RCA when um, he had signed Little John and Pitbull. T- oh, TVT. TVT. Yeah. I met with Brian Leach. I met with uh, Jermaine. I met with um, I met with I met with a lot of labels, you know, and a lot of labels had shown interest, um, you know. But you know, I definitely I was um, I'm a very loyal person, so you know I signed to Grand Hustle to um, through Atlantic at the time, and you know I had definitely been in and out of the Atlantic building because of Tip, so I kind of knew the staff, I knew how the building had, had worked and ha- had moved, and you know they gave me a, they gave me a great deal, so yeah, so that was you know um, Jay definitely helped walk that in. So today you're working with Lil Uzi Vert. Mm-hmm. And um, we only know him through you, right? <laughs> and, you know, you have quite a track record of people you've worked with. Uzi's from a different generation. Right. So totally. what made you, like, know that he was the one? I mean, I can't. Because he is. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he's definitely the one. And I have to give him a lot of the credit for that. Um, no, you made him. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> Don't yeah, you yeah, understand? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did. <laughs> um, you know, honestly, man, it came from a, like uh, the origins of it came from conversations between me and Lake and Cannon. And, you know, just like we've been a part of so many artists career. And at the time, um, you know, we had we had dipped and dabbled with trying to sign a bunch of artists. I mean. The Migos, really, Davies, really, um, OT, OT, OT Genesis, Genesis. Man. <laughs> T Fly, Problem. You know, these are all guys that we were right on the cusp of guys. Like, <laughs> yeah, you like, guys need to learn how to close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so you know that was like um, that was part of our frustration. <laughs> like, yo, like what the fuck? You know, Uzi cannot leave the room before <laughs> yeah. he signs. So you know, though, like. We had. I, I feel like there's so many things that I've accomplished in my career, and that was one of the things I was like, you know, that, you know, I want to have some success with an artist like under under us. Right. You know what I'm saying? So Cannon came in the studio. Um, I never forget it. And he just he had just got back from Philly. He was driving from um, from Philly to Atlantic City. He was listening to Power 99. He heard DJ Diamond Cuts play a record uh, called Lil Uzi. He called her and he said, "What's that?" And she was like, "Yo, this is." Um, this this kid I'm working with, and he came he came in the radio room in, in Mean Streets and was like, "Yo, Lil Uzi Vert," and I was like, "Run it!" <laughs> like I never I hadn't even heard the record. I just was like, "Run it!" Like yeah <laughs> yeah like yo, if you say it's a go, let's do it. So, um, Cannon and Uzi established a relationship. Um, Cannon hosted Uzi's tape, um, the real Lil Uzi, and um, you know that's that's pretty much how it started. I met Uzi for the first time on the um the first Wiz tour I did under the influence. Mm-hmm. And he came on a bus and he like 
he just like he dissed my jeans or right. something. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Off top. And I was like, Yo, who is this little nigga? You know. So, um, so yeah. So you know, and it like it worked out. I mean, he's he's the one. Well, so if you look at like footage of any of his shows, but especially the what the was Roots, it? The Roots, pic- the Roots picnic? picnic. Yeah, that was crazy. Like right? waves yeah. of just people. It's just wild. Nah, it's dope. I mean, because you know, I've I've um. You know, I took him on tour with me last year um, with uh, Wiz Khalifa and Fall Out Boy, and um, you, you definitely see the evolution in his shows, which is, you know, amazing to watch. And it's exciting, man, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, you know, listening to all the music from Love Is Rage for the whole, you know, Wiz tour and, you know, watching how it, it caught on and everything. And, and I mean, it's definitely ex- exciting for us to, you know, he's from Philly. You yeah, know what right. I'm so, um, and um, uh, Atlantic's excited, they're Listen. happy, and... Like, like I was, I was just gonna say, like it doesn't matter what we tell you, but like we know from inside the building, like it's, it's, yeah, very exciting. Nah, it's yeah. good. Double XL cover now. Yeah, double XL cover. Um, how exciting is it for you as a father to introduce your daughters or get a picture with Nicki Minaj at the Roots? That was pretty cool. You know, I'm definitely should get a good Father's Day present. <laughs> it's Hope, coming up. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Um, that was that was cool. You know, and um, I've known Nicki for a long time, and I mean. It's just like, um, so yeah, I mean, you know, it's for a lot of the people they meet or get to be around or, you know, it's pretty cool. What are your daughters listening to right now? Um, Only Lil Uzi Vert. They they like like Uzi. They definitely like Uzi and her friends in school like Uzi. Um, My younger daughter, what is she, what is she listening to? She's kind of a Bieber fan still. Okay. Yeah, she's still kind of somewhat. Do they get, like, free reign over, like, their iTunes? Like, they get to pick whatever they want, choose what's on the radio? Yeah, I give them free reign as long as it's, you know, clean. Okay. Mm. (laughs) Um, Whatever happened to, uh, speaking of Nicki, like, Drake and Gucci were supposed to do a Mm -hmm. mixtape with you. Yeah. Why did that never happen? Was that just Gucci's legal problems? Nah, this was before the legal problems. It just, I don't think. Or in uh, the middle of his legal problems. <laughs> this was like 09, so this is really early on. Um, it just never got done. I remember, you know, they recorded like two songs together, and then, um, yeah, the tape never, it never panned out. That would have been a good tape, though. Yeah. Can you talk about the Pharrell Gangsta Grills? That because was, that was there amazing. are people who say, who like lay claim that Pharrell has never sounded that good. Yeah. No, nah, it, it, I feel like that that tape kind of helped raise a generation. Like, I got a lot of, I get a lot of hipster kids like, yo, that shit changed my life. Like, that was the Pharrell Gangsta Grills. <laughs> and, like, that was an exciting time because I remember it was, you know, when I did the Pharrell Gangsta Grills, like, at the time, people were like, what? Pharrell? Gangster Grills? How does this make sense? <laughs> and I was like, watch how I make it make sense. You know, so that and the little brother tape really yeah, helped yeah. take Gangster Grills like to the left, which was, you know, for me coming from my backpacker roots, like fucking right. I told y'all, you know what I'm saying? So, but he was Pharrell at the time. So he approached me. I had met him um, already uh, through Tip when Tip was on House Arrest too. You know, we were working on an album and everything. So I had, um, we had, engaged in conversations um uh, a few times before that and he, he called me and he was like yo i want to do a tape and i was like me too you know <laughs> and and the tape's a classic um a uh, little bit of history canon actually put that tape together really yeah so like the extra nice cuts yeah <laughs> shot to not canon yeah that's um, dope yeah, but that was a good tape you know it was a you know and pharrell like i you know he picked some great great uh instrumentals to, to rap on and everything and you know it was big like it was just you know it was a fucking pharrell tape like the one and only um and then for the little brother one bun b was on there bun b was on there somebody yeah. else who else was on there um they rap 
Oh wait, who they rapped over Kanye. They rapped over Kanye. Most Def was on the tape. Yep. Yeah, that was a that was a that was crazy. Was it weird to be shouting like Gangsta Grills on that? No, they were so excited. <laughs> like they were so excited. Like yo, this like you're about to be screaming over a little brother tape, you know? And so. that's gonna be wild, by the way, to consider like you know going from some. To, from a place where like no one was calling you to a place where people are so excited right. to have no, that was, drop on there, it was. I mean, it, and it happened like, you know, looking back, it, it, it feels like it as as much time as I put in in my career. Like when it when I hit, like I hit, you know. And I remember, I remember it was all, almost overwhelming, and I was like, whoa, like okay, you you, you did it, like <laughs> like you really did it, like you got here, like shit, you know. And this was the time when like um. Power Mix Show Summits was still going on um, in Puerto Rico yeah. where all the DJs and the yeah. artists would convulge. And I would just, I just remember like everyone, you know, I, all this energy that I was getting in this love. And like, you know, it's the first time I met Busta, the first time Khaled approached me and was like, yo, drum, da da da. <laughs> and I remember just like, okay, you got here, like, how do you stay here? You know what I'm saying? Right. It's, a, it's a long journey, my guy. You yeah. know, Puff was calling my phone and, you know, asking, what's hot in the city i just was like it was crazy like you know and so you know going like you said going from when i i could barely you know get in the club to here i am like you know the talk of the industry and yeah. everybody wanted a gangster grills you know and so to be able to do a project with little brother to me was like yo it was almost like an ode to my roots you know what i'm mm -hmm. saying and and you know the excitement was, was i was just as excited as they were you know because it, it was it was almost branching out for me when did you take your number off of the back of the tapes? <laughs> um, um, not soon enough because I don't know if I would have got raided. If it, <laughs> yeah, not, after the raid. Is this DJ drama? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. Are you home? Not, not, <laughs> not soon enough. At what point do you know that it's time to stop giving stuff away for free and start like getting paid for consulting or producing or different ventures for for you know atlantic or whoever um it was a long it was along the line you know i mean it's you know i i i feel like we work in a, a industry that's um uh it's made out of bartering in a lot of ways so you know i you know i do a lot of favors and you know favors are done for me so um but yeah but i mean as far as like on the executive side you know i once i did two albums at atlantic mm -hmm. and then um i kind of i chilled for a minute and you know i actually wound up uh I, you know, by chance, uh, uh, putting together a record, which was the Oh My record. And, you know, I, at the at the time, I I, I was kind of like, you know, I'm kind of cool on doing the albums and, 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 the, and the records and stuff. And, um, you know, the Oh My record kind of came together and, you know, um, Fab had jumped on it and, you know, Wiz had actually, this was when Wiz was, you know, first doing promo for his first run and he came to Atlanta you know and I, I was always an early Wiz supporter so you know he always showed me love back excuse me and um he was like yo what you got for me and I didn't really have shit so I <laughs> let him I gave him oh my and he um he recorded it and you know the record kind of came out good you know and I was like damn I'm you know this this might be one you know so I started working the record um around that time Atlantic actually let me out of my deal um, they let me out of my deal and I kind of, I was able, you know, they gave me clearance, you know, on, uh, Wiz's verse. And so I started working it myself. Um, and, uh, started getting interest and what have you. E1 came calling and, um, I did a deal with them and, uh, we put an album out. We put, uh, the third power album out, which was my third album. And, but I was still working with, uh, people within the Atlantic building cause that was a system I knew. So shout out to Sam Crespo, shout out to Sam Crespo, Marsha you know, St. Hubert, shout out to Marsha. <laughs> Um, shout to Emmanuel, you know, I yeah. was, you know, I was pretty much, I would use the same team and, um, 
Crespo went back, you know, Crespo went to Craig Kalman after working a bunch of records from Oh My to, um, to Ain't No Way Around It to, um, um, to my moment, you yeah. know, and, uh, big record, great, big, huge record. And, you know, he said, yo, you know, the drums doing some, some good things out here. You might want to, you know, uh, you know, pay attention. And, um, Craig liked the idea and, um, he took the, he, he took the idea to Kaiser, you know, and Kaiser was like, I love it, you know, and they, they invited me back, you know, on the other side, which was, you know, a, a great opportunity for me. And I had took in a, taken a couple meetings at the time. Um, Cannon was already inside the Def Jam building mm-hmm. and, um, you know, um, uh, shout out to Theo Sotomayor, my lawyer. He he set me up with the, some other meetings, and you know word was getting around. So I actually sat down with uh, L.A. Reid. That was um, hmm. that was a, that was a great meeting. You know, just to, to be in a room with with that guy. You know, amazing guy. Just finished his but book. he couldn't close. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he had some things going on. But shout out to the homie. You but know. now that now that you're back at Atlantic, uh, you brought Uzi over there. Yeah. Are you involved on the? Obviously, you're involved in like you know the the running of his career, but like. How involved are you with making his album into what it will be? Um, I mean, a lot of the creative side, you know, Cannon and Uzi are, you know, very um, forward and hands-on in. You know, I kind of I kind of let Uzi do his thing when it comes to that. You know, I may, you know, sneak my head in and, you know, give my opinion, but he, he's got that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? He doesn't so, like your jeans. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't like my jeans. So, you know, I, I kind of stay out of his way when it comes. I mean, he's done a great job creatively of, of, of you know, making his own sound and his own brand. So, you know, I, I love that. You know what I yeah. mean? So I can, you know, I, once the music is done is, is when my job gets involved. And I try to come to him with ideas. And, you know, if he likes it, he likes it. If he doesn't, he doesn't. Yeah. Can you talk about, so really, after college, you haven't left the city, right? Like, you are mm-hmm. in Atlanta heavy. Yeah. Can you talk about how the city has changed in all that time? Um, it's changed a lot as much as it's stayed the same. It's it's changed because the one thing about Atlanta, and it's always been like this since I've been there, like, it's always, since I've been there, it's always been on the pulse of, you know, definitely hip-hop. You know, I mean, I would say, you know, um, almost to pop music in general you know but when it comes to atlanta it's like you know there's so many waves all the time you know i mean i've watched it year after year after year after year you know the transition from you know uh this artist to this artist to this artist you know from from outcast to you know to luda to tip to jeezy to um snap music music, you know i'm saying to um to change to future to kwan to thug to you know wife and lucci to 21 savage you know what i'm saying it's, it's just atlanta is always there's something something in the mix you know and outside of that even the people behind the scenes like on the produ- production side or you know just the studio side or, or, or what have you is always something going on so um yeah it's it's, it's been a great place to I, I always say like you know it's hard for me to leave because the sauce is there like mm-hmm. you know i i think about all the careers that i've been a part of and you know projects that i've been able to do and i you know i definitely give a a, a lot of credit to the city where i live you know do djs get mad at one another when like if you do a mixtape with like gucci main mm-hmm. and then he does one with somebody else mm-hmm. are you just like my what o- the fuck? my only times that i've had an issue as far as an artist and and honestly i i've probably been a part of a couple too so you know but it's only when there's a series that an artist may have started with me i feel like yo that should be our series like if you're mm-hmm. going to go do i don't have you know i think it's you know no problem as far as 
I mean, um, artists doing tapes with other DJs. I mean, one thing about DJs, we're, we're competitive, but, you know, there's somewhat of a camaraderie different than, I guess, rappers to an extent. So, yeah, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't mind, like, you know, I mean, uh, just in Atlanta alone, like, for the most part, most artists have done a, a tape with me. They've done a tape with Scream. They've done a tape with Holiday. Like, you know, it's just, it's it's how you move. Like, yeah. rightfully so. Like, I mean, I'm, I've only done a tape with you. So, right. yeah. you know, <laughs> my loyalty's intact. <laughs> so, um, yeah, if you guys do number two with somebody else, I'm going to be yeah. fucking yeah, yeah. mad. Like, you know, it's, don't call it Urbane Outfit. Yeah. Like, y'all need a new name. Y'all, y'all go somewhere else. Like, if you call Metro Boomin, yeah. come up with a new fucking name, all right? That's all I'm going to say. It's going to be problems. That's right. Um, can we hear a good titty boy story? Not a two chain story, but a titty boy story. Yeah, I got a lot of those. Um, <laughs> and I mean, did you know that like he had this in him? No, because no, like, he'll tell you. Yeah, like you no, watch him on like Chappelle's show, and he's like, you in know, the in back. the cut. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, um, yeah, I Waiting. remember that. I remember that. <laughs> titty boy was actually the first person to really make. He told me on the Jeezy Trapper Die when Jeezy Trapper Die came out, and I said, "Yo, um, um." Every street nigga is not a rapper, and every rapper is not a street nigga. But when you get it right, it's something special. Like Titty Boy was the first person to come up to me and say, "Yo, when you said every street nigga ain't a rapper, and every rapper ain't a street nigga, that shit was crazy." Like, so he was one of the first people to make me think, like, "Oh, I'm on to something yeah. here." Like, you mm-hmm. know this. This this extra you know lingo that, yeah. that I'm talking on the tapes That's you yeah, yeah. There, might, there might be something yeah. here like beyond just shouting out stores and people like this 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 these sermons I'm giving <laughs> this might be something special um so that was one I remember um I remember uh, Tit came over our crib um, when Sense was doing a DTP mixtape and uh, he he did the rap at in, on Sense's side of the crib and. Sense will tell you he was there for about twelve hours working on it, like nonstop, getting it right. Yeah, trying yeah. to trying to get it right, and he was he was real focused on it. Mm-hmm. He was the first person in the city with a Porsche Panamera, huh. um, by far. Um, and then um, you know he on the tape he kind of he took like a complimentary jab at me, and he said, you know, I'm the hottest in the city without a gangster grills, you know, which was which was dope because it was like it was like he was kind of showing me love, but he was kind of Poking yeah. me too, saying, you know, like, sure. fuck yeah. is my gangster girl. Like, I'm you should hotter. have been like, yo, fuck you. <laughs> you don't I'm get hot. one now. I'm hot. But nah, yeah. but then the crazy part is, you know. He, that he does true of, religion. Yeah, he came yeah. back around like, all right, drum. Like, yeah. I got I to do it, you know. And it was it was dope. Um, you know, and I will say that um, I will say that um, I put him on the Oh My remix, which mm-hmm. I, I feel like um, kind of mended our relationship, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I feel like he always kind of felt like, you know, I was overlooking him, which, you know, I was fronting in a little way. You know, I, I can admit to that. Like, but you know what? He he proved himself right. No, absolutely. Yeah. I was early on Titty Boy and I was late on 2 Chains. You was early on Titty Boy, late <laughs> yeah. on 2 Chains? Yeah. So, and I, you know, when I, when, I was, when I did the Oh My record, he hadn't even heard the record yet. Um but I, I I had the Omar record and I, was, I went I saw him in the club and I was like yo I got this record when I do the mix I mean excuse me when I do the remix I need you and he was like all right he hadn't even heard the record yet so then the record started moving and I had I had gotten Sean to agree to it mm-hmm. and I remember I was it was between Tit and French and it was a tough choice because <laughs> they were both my homies yeah and, you know I I went with and uh, so Tit. you're you're yelling this at the club to him I'm telling him like yo I got this record I don't know how any business gets done in the club it's always <laughs> yeah. so loud like I'm always like what, I, I think we were walking we yeah. were walking in we were just walking in so but he just was like all right but he wasn't even he didn't know the record yet so it worked out and then um 
you know, his man, um, you know, Techniques used to be a mixtape DJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, we used to... Also, we, one of the nicest guys ever. Yeah, great guy. Great guy. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm very proud of him and, you know, happy for his, his success. So, you know, we had our we had our own relationship outside of uh, Tit. So, you know, it, it kind of all worked out. Yeah. Um, sorry. Just like, well, we have yeah. we have one more question left. Oh, is that That's it? it? Oh, no. We, we, can, we can go on. I yeah. didn't know. Damn. We were told that you had to go back to the hotel before the event tonight. But if we can keep going. We got time. <laughs> All right. Uh, can you talk about the R. Kelly tape? Um, the R. Kelly tape. And by the way, for, for anyone, if, if that's ambiguous, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. the, the yeah, R. Kelly <laughs> mixtape. There we the go. The mixtape you do with R. Kelly. Yes, okay. Yeah, all right, yeah. all right. Not anything that may be admissible to court. <laughs> was, um, that tape came out like seven years ago. So. I think I just got a, a call from R. Kelly's people. Like, oh, I was going to say from him? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, he reached out He reached out probably after the initial phone call. And I was like, yo, R. Kelly wants to do a mixtape. Because that's another time that it's got to be just like, what has this grown yeah. into? Like, yeah, shit's crazy. I mean, that, that was a, it became almost like a... It, it, it went from introducing new artists to becoming the resurgence of artists. Like, okay, I'm coming back yeah. to the streets. You yeah, know what I'm yeah. saying? So it was dope. I mean, you know, to have somebody like... R. Kelly, like you know, was he a good collaborator? Oh uh, yeah, it was, like it was easy inc- to work with. It was incredible. Yeah, it was it was good. It was easy, super simple. That's awesome. And then you know, this was a time when, um, in those years, like I remember people coming to me with the idea, like, "Yo, I want to do an R and B mixtape." You know what I'm saying? So you know, it was it was a pretty much a a, a rap thing. Hmm. You know, so like the Chris Brown tape and the R. Kelly tape, these were very early on in in uh, R and B gangster girls history. You know. Yeah. Have now. you ever have you run into the Dream around uh, Atlanta? Yeah, I, actually, Dream. I did a record with Dream on my second album called uh, "Strip of Love" mm. that he had given me. So, you know, I've 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 watched the Dream and, and um, we've worked together on, on um, frequent occasions. And you know, great guy and mm-hmm. amazing talent. Um, have you ever been to Puffy's Mansion? Which one in Miami? Yeah, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Do you have any good stories from there? I mean, the food and the chef. Like, that's, that's whatever what everyone you want. says. Yeah. <laughs> whatever you want. And did you take your shoes off going in there? I did. Yeah. Because yeah. that's the rule at your apartment, too. Yeah. Is it still the rule? <laughs> um, uh, is it still the rule? Sp- you could probably wear your shoes around, I imagine. Yeah. yeah, I don't make people take their shoes off anymore. We, um, yeah, I got wood floors, though. Mm-hmm. So. We, we, when we did a, a sketch with, um, with Max B., and we did it up at his apartment wow. in the Bronx. We played Scrabble with him. Mm-hmm. They got mad at Jeff for not taking his shoes off. Well, I mean, I did. I, I just didn't do it immediately. No, wow. and but like that apartment I wasn't, like, there, to problem they, <laughs> it like... they didn't have any furniture in the apartment. There was an ottoman. Yeah, there was a Pro Tools rig on a desk, and that was it. Wow. And <laughs> apparently, it. the the ottoman like held all of his porn. Yeah, well, oh, that's weird. You know. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you? Uh, I'm, what year was that? That uh, was two thousand eight, eight or nine. Oh, okay, yeah. when you guys first did the skit, like, were you excited when I? Because I reached out, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You reached out to us. Actually, like, so one of the most exciting emails we've ever gotten was from yours, and you signed it, Mr. Thanksgiving. And we were just like, because we... <laughs> yeah, put the skit out. Well, yeah. we, we put a skit out about G-Unit hosting. We were like, how come G-Unit can host a mixtape and we can't? <laughs> right. <laughs> the whole thing was about that. And by the way, we were nobodies at that point. No, yeah, right. yeah. We still were nobodies. And, and we tried yeah. to get, we tried to get like people, we tried to rally people into like, you know, getting your attention. This is like... Probably before Twitter too. Otherwise, we just would have added you or right, whatever. Right. Yeah. And you responded, and you're just like, "This is hilarious," and we're like, "This is crazy." Like this, just, <laughs> yeah. like doesn't How make sense. How did that even get on your radar? I don't. Was it before Twitter? Yeah, yeah I think it was, it was before I think Twitter. It was on, Maybe I saw it on a blog. I'm or sure. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. see, and that's something too. Like, you talk about like, um, 
like giving all your stuff away for free and this is a, a business that like you know you do so you do a favor you get a favor back we did that for everybody like we never made any money right, like right. never made any money until like recently like all of our yeah, stuff now we're making too much money <laughs> though <laughs> redid Sucks. the apartment yeah. no. but like but you know all of our all of our sketches and everything got like you know all those blogs right. a lot of money right. like they got wow. those page views and everything yeah, helped wow. like slaughterhouse helped other people and for wow. us that was just like a chance to sort of like get our name out there mm-hmm. and like so we get that no, like absolutely. from your standpoint too no it worked out but later on we charged them up the ass you <laughs> know you like just <laughs> yeah that's not true um uh what's it called so does does DJ Khaled's success mean anything like for for you and your the, the business model of a DJ or is it just like personal success for him? Um, I think it help. I think it helps out just in general. You know, it just shows you how far you can go as a DJ. I mean, Khaled's always been quite successful. You know, which has kind of always opened a lot of doors. You know, so I, I just think that um, you know, in the, in the landscape that we're in, like the success of all of us, whether it's, you know, him, whether it's Metro, whether it's myself, um, um, Mike will like, you know, it, 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 it opens these avenues and these doors that people pay attention to that, you know, says like, these guys are commodities, you know, these guys are brands. And so, yeah, it's, it's always been helpful. It probably helps that people now understand more what you do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and, and now that I feel like, you know, there's a, there's a, a, crop of youthful djs that are really making brands for themselves and and really you know picking up where where me and Khaled were like mustard and, and mike will mm-hmm. and, you yeah. know, and djs slash producers that are able to carry the torches out here and you know take it to the next level well do you consider yourself a an artist first or a i consider um, myself a dj first okay and then everything comes after that and i thought you would have said father first (laughs) (laughs) but that's but that's all inclusive right like touring dj when you're djing yeah like for private events when you're djing on the radio everything dj first yes dj Um, is the first two letters in my name that that is true yeah (laughs) then doctor that's right then ama it used to be jedi but (laughs) whatever okay fine um do you still enjoy doing the radio aspect of everything um i do you know i've been doing a lot of imaging radio wise so um that's been kind of exciting for me i remember when i was in college um rest in peace i had one of my first teachers in mass com um was this guy named tony phillips and um we actually used to take the bus together um to campus and he told me really early on he was like yo your voice is special, you know, and, and this was like still when I was kind of even just, you know, figuring out how to talk on my mixtapes, you know, so to now be in the climate that we're in and, you know, to be doing so much voice imaging and, and everything and, you know, go from screaming on mixtapes to, you know, hosting the BT Hip Hop Awards, you know, um, as far as the imaging goes or, you know, imaging for radio stations across the country, you know, it's kind of it's kind of wild to me, you know, just... um like it's 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 quite the um it's quite the feat you know but but i enjoy it all like i love being on the radio you know i love shade 45 i, I love um and you do that at a at a mean streets yeah right? i do it out of mean streets make everything real easy we, we, do yeah. it, we do it live on that was the reason why i built mean streets honestly that was the so re- you never have to leave <laughs> so I, yeah we needed a you know i needed a radio room like i needed somewhere to do my show from um so we, i moved from the old studio and that was the initial reason why we built mean streets is to have somewhere to do our satellite show from um did you have to ever do your own artwork for your mixtapes i i I didn't have to mm, not since high school i've always had an artist kind of doing it so you weren't like a kinko's like oh i was definitely a kinko's oh Oh, yeah i was i was i think kinko's kind of made their new system based upon some of the shit i used to get away with because i was bodying kinko's you know good smile goes a long way with pretty girl on the counter um 
So yeah, no, I I did I did a lot. I remember there was a time at Kinko's when they'd be like, "How many color copies did you make?" And I'd be like, ten. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so yeah, Kink, shout to Kinko's, man. I they definitely came in handy at the. And I know we discussed this when we had Uzi on too, and you and you and Cannon were here. You still consider yourself a Philly guy? Absolutely. I'm After all Philly. the time you spent oh, I in this Atlanta, is be like a Wow Wow conversation. No, 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 no. Yeah, we can talk. I know, but like, <laughs> what do you get? what's that? What do you get? No, I haven't. We've never been. We haven't been. What? I yeah. know, I know. What are you doing after this? <laughs> oh, let's go to Wow Wow. It's probably one in Jersey. We could get there like an hour and a half. Oh, that'd be amazing. Just a quick hour and a half. But but Philly, like, and that's everything. Like, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I love. You know, I still root for Philly sports teams. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a Kobe Bryant fan. Cause well, here's I, the real question: Who do your daughters root for? Um. They kind of they're I make them root for Philly teams, but I mean <laughs> they don't have a they, choice. They like the yeah. Hawks though. Okay, uh, they like the Hawks, you know. But I, you know, I I make them <laughs> I make them Eagles fans, <laughs> you know, and, you know. But I mean, it's tough. <laughs> I will say that you know they're they're Georgia peaches, um, but uh, but yeah, but I, I'm a you know I love Philly sports teams. I mean, I, I Atlanta's definitely home to me, right? You know, and I and I I. I, I give a lot of my credit to the city for, you know, making my career what it is. But, you know, I still, if people ask me, where are you from? Yeah. I say I'm from Philly. I live in Atlanta. <laughs> you know? um, uh, one last thing before, like, the last question, I think. So probably two questions. Okay, last nice. Yeah. The last yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got you. Um, all right. So you have, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember the exact drop. You say you bastards. Gangster Girls, you bastards. Yes. I came from Tip. Okay. Uh, Southern Smoke also has Southern Smoke, you bastards. They yeah, got it from me. Ah. Got it from you? Uh-huh. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Shout out to Smalls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually. Gangster Girls, You Bastards was. We saw was Smalls first. recently when we saw Gotti. Because he's. Oh, uh, saw Gazi? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Gotti. Yeah, Gotti. Yeah, Gotti. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's been on Roll Gotti for some time. Yeah. By the way, he is small. Very small guy. Small oh, guy. That's the first time you've seen him? No, we met him we, once, but he walked by us and we were like, like, oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, he's got like a Philly beard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a um, good guy. Last question. All right, so our friend Ashley Kamenowitz. Um, Ashley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, uh, she says that there's two types of people in this world. Okay. There's trash and there's garbage. There's garbage. So the question is, what are you? Are you trash or are you garbage? I'm neither. I'm shining. Oh, all right. <laughs> thanks so much for coming through, John. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Of course. Of course. Long overdue. Yeah. And now we're going to go to Wawa. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening to this week's episode of A Waste of Time with It's The Real. Jeff, if people want more episodes just like this one, where can they go? If you want the episodes as soon as they come out, yeah. as soon as they hit the internet, yeah. go to fullscreen.com slash it's the real. That is the best and first way to find our episodes. But if you want to wait a week, you can also go to soundcloud.com slash a waste of time or search on itunes for a waste of time with it's the real you can also rate us you can comment you can share all of that we are also on twitter it's the real we are on instagram it's the real we are on facebook it's the real also our government names yes what happens if people want to find us on snapchat then you go to not it's the real because it's the real was taken you go to it's it's the real and it's the real eric you guys know the spiel. Go rate us, review us, leave a comment, say something nice about us. But most importantly, if you want this podcast to grow, please go tell a friend about A Waste of Time with It's The Real. Jeff, do you have a friend that you want to tell? Yes, I want to tell my friend Foster Kamer, uh-huh. who listens regularly. But now he's going to hear his name coming from the radio yeah. while he's actually listening to it. Shouts to Foster. Shouts to Foster. Foster wants to be on the podcast, but I do not want to have him on because wow. I, don't want him, I don't want him to burn every industry bridge that he has, nor the ones that I have. Wow. So uh, I'm not letting him on. Eric? <laughs> <laughs> I 
Well, first of all, Foster, go tell everyone that you know that you won't be on this podcast. <laughs> I would like to tell our friend Joey Ayi to tell everybody he knows about this podcast because Joey listens, number one. And number two, we saw Joey just this past week at the Boss Show at Highline Ballroom, which was crazy. And we didn't know that Joey was going to be in town. No, we walked into Highline Ballroom. We get an email. Like right away. Yeah. We're walking, like, we're walking into the back doors and the place is packed. So like that anyone can see us is amazing. Well, we stand out. And then we get an email. And what does the email say? Jeff and Eric in this bitch. Shout out to Joey IE. In Safe travels. <laughs> Safe travels. Uh, for anyone on Twitter, tell us not for real for real. Jeff. Would you like to do this again next week? Sure. All right. We'll see you then. Great. Like a